0: every week at the moment we are taking a look at one of our favorite ever sporting moments to relive you know the ones where you remember where you heard the call or you watched it on the telly we've had some beauties and this week is no different it's 1999 we're in the uk the cricket world cup let's start with the dramatic semi-final the aussies up against south africa in a thrilling finish Australia. there it is they go this will be out joy and what a win for australia that they then then faced pakistan at lords in the final and our special guest today was the hero of that day adam gilchrist welcome to deadset legends
1: Oh, good morning, uh, team, everyone, and all the uh, listeners out there. Yeah, great to be chatting. Great to be reliving some of these <laughs> old memories. That's a beautiful thing about all this lockdown and no sport. All us old ex players get to relive <laughs> our past glories because there's nothing going on live. So it's awesome. Long may continue.
0: <laughs> we found that everyone has been particularly enjoying reliving some of their highlights. But that's great. We love reminiscing them uh, about them as well. Let's start with the semi final, though. So in terms of how that played out you made it through to the final because you finished higher in the group stages I guess yeah. um, did, how did you how, did you know that on field like how did that all pan out because the run out was the way to win that game and for south africa to be bitterly disappointed
1: Yeah there's a lot there's a lot to sort of talk about in and around that particular game isn't there we did we did know we would go through if we had a tie because we had beaten them in the previous game, which was the, without complicating it, the previous game was the last round of, of the what they called the Super Six stage. That was a game, the, the famous game, where Herschel Gibbs dropped Steve Waugh um, yeah. after sort of basically having the catch. And then Steve Waugh reportedly said, you just dropped the World Cup. I don't think he said that, but he's something along those lines. But he, he, he let the the myth grow bigger and bigger <laughs> um, for, for many years, Tugger. But, um, yeah, so we, we, we knew, well, we they needed nine runs off six balls in that last over in the semi final, South Africa, one wicket in hand. I still thought we're home here. Klusner gets off strike, we get Alan Donald on strike, and we win the game. Their number 11 won't get them the runs that they need. But the first two balls race to the boundary like Tracer Bullets. So it's a four, so they needed one off four balls. We fumbled a run out off the third ball, so at that point we thought, well, we did have a chance, but it's bolted now. There's no chance, but uh, there's something called communication in life and in sport, and you've got to have a lot of it, particularly in team sports, yeah. and Alan Donald and Lance Klusner forgot to talk to each other. They didn't come down and in the panic and all the mayhem of the you know World Cup semi. They just didn't didn't relate, relate to each other what the plan was, and One ran on the next ball, one didn't. And then, uh, you know, history unfolded that we, uh, we get the run out, we tie the game and go to the final.
2: And Gilly, let's not play this down. You were the man in this moment. So the fielder tosses the ball into you at the keeper's end, obviously. <laughs> and you have the most uh, second important uh, underarm in the history of cricket down to the other end. Yeah. <laughs> How were you feeling at that moment? Was Did anything go through your head as you prepared to um, toss the ball down the other end? Oh, because oh. you went a safe route along the ground. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, yeah, two things in my mind. Flemmo, Damien Fleming, had the ball at the bowl's end, but both batsmen were at the bowl's end. So you're right. All it's got to do is get to me at the keeper's end, effect a run out, and we are in the World Cup final. Flemmo decides to take on the technique that we did at the team-building exercise at the start of the tournament, the old 10-pin bowling team-building. Most sports teams have been 10-pin bowling together at some stage. We had the Julios versus the Nerds. Yeah,
2: that's Fleming, right. Fleming's
1: that's captain of the Nerds. Uh, <laughs> but he turns and rather than just get it down to be quick, he underarms it, that's and it felt cool. like, Oh, I'd felt like about five minutes it took for the ball <laughs> to come down to me, but it's just rolling, rolling, rolling. I'm waiting, hunched over for whether to lean forward and grab it or you know, potentially break the stumps there and, and, and stuff the run-up art. But anyway, I get it, whip the bales off. And then funny things happen, don't they, um, in, in, in big moments. Immediately I thought, right, I want a stump as some memorabilia. You know, we all want to collect memorabilia at heaven. And I thought, I'm going to rip all the stumps out um, and, and keep all the stumps. So I run past the team in the middle of the pitch who are celebrating <laughs> to the bowlers' end and rip out all the stumps. And I think, hang on, I had three sitting in front of me at my end. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I've got a stump down on the wall in my bar and uh, everything everything's good and we ended up in the final
0: We're chatting of course to adam gilchrist it was the brain fade of all brain fades and it was a shame for lance kluzner because that's really for a lot of us wasn't, what, he, what we remember wasn't that we, sympathetic re- what we remember <laughs> but i feel for lance kluzner because he actually had a wonderful tour he was the player of the tournament in that yeah. world cup but it's it's been overshadowed by the calamity that happened in that final ball
1: yeah uh, he, he was unstoppable i mean this is yeah what's this 21 years ago so so for people listening, he was scoring at a strike rate out of hundred and twenty, I guess, which in t twenty terms now that's almost slow yep. but twenty one years ago it was unheard of, and he was coming in they'd need ten and over for eight overs in games, and he'd just get' them home with a few overs to spare um so when he when he needed one run off four balls, I thought, well, this ball's going to go you know out of Birmingham over to Manchester the way he's hitting them, <laughs> yeah. but he just got to give credit to flemo flemo um Managed to jam a couple of really good yorkers in there and, and create those run out opportunities, but that was yeah it was a bit of a shame for, for um, South Africa and uh, and Lance and then of course three years uh, four years later they they got knocked out of a tournament on a net run rate uh, when the rain was falling when they blocked it out. But anyway, that's yeah. their problems and, and yeah, I'm, sure, exactly right. I'm sure on their radio shows they're not reliving these nah. games. <laughs> but
0: but pressure, just shows what pressure does, Emma, and that's why we love sport because yeah, yeah. it's how people handle the pressure. We've just talked about the famous semi-final up against South Africa. Now let's talk about the final. Uh, you're at the uh, one of the most famous grounds in the world, Gilly, for this. How did you prepare to face Pakistan?
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, all the drama and uh, emotion of getting into the final after the, the nail-biter in the semi, um, I, I, I think there was a little bit of a fear or discussion around about Certainly, externally, or had we played our our final, you know, had we peaked, and can we can we continue to sort of rise to the occasion? Because it was a pretty scrappy old World Cup for us. We just sort of fought and clawed our way through to each stage. We we lost uh, a few games early, that meant we were we couldn't lose another game. But we found ourselves on the big stage, em, and um, what better place to do it? We we knew that Australian teams historically, more so in Test cricket, but had played. Really, really well at Lords, so we carried a lot of that history in with us, knowing that um, there's a, a lot of sort of pride and honour at stake to uphold that. So that that picks you up, and and let's face it, if you can't be up and about for a World Cup final at Lords, you're never going to be. Um, <laughs> you probably, probably haven't got a pulse. But uh, uh, we went out there. Um, I, I think we we didn't overdo celebrations in that semi-final you didn't need to like the emotion was just pretty raw and, and that carried you through it was a tight turnaround too from memory two or three days at best so it wasn't like we had a week-long build-up for the final all of a sudden we were into it we were uh, bowling first and then um you know what do you do when you need some magic you throw the ball to shame Warne, and he did the same in the semi-final he picked up four wickets there and he picked up another four in this in the final and just put us in a Pretty much dominant position to go out in there and knock the runs off.
0: I was going to ask you about Warney Gilly, because they were right. The semi final, the final took four for thirty, I think, in in both games. But we yep. spoke to him the other week about his getting ball. But you, I heard somewhere that you thought he's one of his wickets in the semi final against Herschel Gibbs was almost a better delivery. Can you just describe yeah. that one for us?
1: Yeah, on par, I reckon. Yeah. I reckon um, you're right. I, I think. Um, well, I mean, I. Had the, Best seat in the house for ten years, keeping the shame Warne. So I saw you know most of his deliveries come down, and I reckon he bowled often deliveries very similar to the Gatting ball, but but didn't go uh, didn't have a wicket pinned on the end of it, yeah. so it didn't get replayed as much. But uh, but in the semi, yeah, Herschel Gibbs he bowled um, bowl one to Gary Kirsten, the, uh, the South African as well. He got Hansie Cronje out. He he broke the game open and kept us alive in the semi, and then in the final he just produce the goods again, not so much um, the big turning leg spinners at different surface, different conditions, but um, I think a few sort of straight ones or sort of flippers that went through and might have been LBs or bulbs. But, um, yeah, well, the, the biggest occasion, the biggest superstars turn up. We've just we've had the week with Warney on, um, yeah. on Fox Sports this week, <laughs> yep. and um, I tell you what, it's that, that, given a little bit of an insight what it's like living <laughs> with Shane Warne and, uh, and standing next to him. That was the best thing. The best thing in my life, in cricketing life, was to wicket keep the Shane Warren. Mm, okay? right. The second best thing was then at the end of the over, Glenn McGrath was coming on to bowl the next yeah. over. Oh, so that's, God. Just, you know, that's heaven. Damn. And I, even better, I go up and stand next to Shane Warren. And Joey, you know the bloke. Yeah. You, you've spent time with him. I'd stand next to him and listen to his stories for an hour. That's, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's, that's sporting porn. Yes.
2: (laughs) You've (laughs) had a blessed sporting life. That's for sure. Gillian, congratulations to you on your own tournament, because after a scratchy start, you described that Australia lost two of their first three and then come out and won the next two. And you top scored in both of those games, I think against Bangladesh firstly with 63 and then uh, possibly the West Indies, I see here with 21 as well. So you certainly helped right the ship, but can I ask you about overnight that the, This feud between Shane Warne and Steve Waugh has exploded again, real or imagined. It's hard to know, but that the guy, Rob Moody on Twitter, he's posted mm. that Steve Waugh was involved in 104 runouts over his international career, and the bloke at the other end was out 73 times in them. So Steve has um, left his, his batting partner short a, a couple of times, it's fair to say. And then Shane Warne has said that Steve Waugh was the most selfish player he ever played with. And we know there's been some friction with him over the time. Did Were you aware of this throughout their careers. What was that like in the locker room?
1: Yeah, that um, I mean, I think everyone's been aware of it. And I, I noticed Warnie put out a, a, a tweet saying, you know, clarifying to everyone that he doesn't hate Steve, or he just thinks he's the most selfish player he's ever played with. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just clear black and white there for Warnie. But uh, um, it's funny that, that that should spark up. You know that that issue overnight or this morning, mm-hmm. given that you know we're sitting here talking about the '99 World Cup, because there was a bit of friction leading into that '99 World Cup. Um, prior to going to the UK, we were in the West Indies on a tour, mm-hmm. and I was only in the one-day setup then. But um, in the Test series, obviously for the last Test match, Steve War and Jeff Marsh, as tour selectors, left Warney out of the Test team. Ooh. They dropped him for the fourth Test, so that. I think, I think it was in and around there where the friction started. Mm. Uh, and well, you know, Warnie's spoken about it in his books, and um, that, that's where the, they started to have a little bit of a prickly relationship. But we still played another four. When Tugger finished 2004, didn't he? We still played another five years, all of us together. Mm-hmm. And it never, it never affected the team. It never was spilled over in the change rooms or, or uh, there. I, I do not remember any confrontation between the two of them be it on field or off field um, so if warney had felt any you know strong animosity to tugger he certainly and and this is probably digressing a little bit but a lot of people go what about warney his you know profile was so big his personality did it really ever affect the team all the drama off the field the front page headlines in the uk and all, and the answer is no like mm-hmm. warney was he he was extraordinary he was box office in hollywood but I don't ever remember sitting back thinking, "Actually, we've got to get him on track because it's it's having a negative effect on the rest of us, or, or what we're trying to achieve as a team, or whatever." Like he just got in and got the business done, and um, and so too did Steve Walsh. So. Um yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one. I, I had a look at the first two runouts on uh, Rob Rob mm. Moody's list of, geez, you, he has got some serious lockdown problems, doesn't he? To compile <laughs> 24, 24 hours yeah. it took him to compile this list of runouts yeah. Um, yeah. to achieve what I don't know. A comment <laughs> but, um, I watched the first two and they were. So they were the other blokes' fault completely, and they were both of them were number 11 batsmen, so you might as well run them out anyway before yeah. they do it themselves. Yeah. Um, extraordinary yeah. stuff. But anyway, that's that's isolation. Yes.
0: <laughs> hey, Gilly, to finish with, so you win the World Cup... Um In sensational fashion in the end, um, I know that Jay-Z always likes talking about celebrations post a big victory, and you did Mm. mention Shane Warne. Who was best on for those post-match celebrations? I'll tell you,
1: that's a good question. I'll tell you who was best on ground. A little bit uh, poor teamwork by this bloke, but um, as you'd imagine, Australian change room at Lords after a World Cup victory. Every man and his dog's trying to pile in there. Any any Aussie in yeah. the UK, anyone yeah. that happens be Lords trying to get past the security guy to get in. We've got friends and family. Uh, it's going great. And then ex-Prime Minister, he wasn't at the time, Bob Hawke. Really? Roy, oh, the holy. late, great Bobby. <laughs> what a legend. So he cruising. I remember going out. Uh, we were walking off the field through the long room after we bowled Pakistan out. And we were spring in our step, 130-odd, you know, we can almost get our hand on the trophy. And we walk through the long room, which is packed, and right at the, at the point where you turn and go right to the change room, Bob Hawke standing there. And he's going, oh, he goes, Tuggo, Tuggo, and he's patting tugger on the back. And he goes, Paul Rifle's in front. He goes, rice, rice. No one's ever called him rice. <laughs> a pistol. <laughs> uh, and yes. that's it. And then he sees me. And he goes, gilks, gilks, gilks. Uh, and no uh, one's oh. ever called me gilks. <laughs> but... Anyway, we were all having a chuckle at that. We get the runs, we're up partying. Next minute, knock on the door. Bobby walks in. Bobby walked in, and I kid you not, him and his entourage hammered every last beer we had. They just smashed us in our beer. So we had to get reinforcements in, and of course, the reinforcements that came in weren't the sponsors' product. So Darren Lehman got photographed drinking a non sponsors' product and got fined by the creator. And we blame Bob Hall. We blame Bob Hall.
0: (laughs) That is a ripping story to finish our reminiscing of the 1999 (laughs) Cricket World Cup. Hey, Gilly, great to have you on, mate. Really nice to talk about these really memorable times, and um, we're glad that you enjoyed talking about them as well.
1: Yeah, good on you guys. Good to chat. Thanks, Gilly.